with the 37th selection of the 2012 first-year player draft, the Boston Red Sox select Pat Light, a right-handed pitcher from Monmouth U, West Long Branch, New Jersey. Pat Light could be considered the greatest high school pitcher to ever come out of the Jersey Shore. He finished high school 20-0, the best career record in Shore Conference history. everybody and welcome to another edition of Boston Balling. I'm your host as always Gabby Hiroba. I hope everyone enjoyed that intro video. Um, shout out to Notoriety Sports Network for helping me with that. Uh, it was definitely really cool and that leads me into introducing my guest for this evening, Pat Light. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I enjoyed the hell out of that video so that was tremendous. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. I'm glad you liked it. It was definitely a lot of work but but Figured it'd be a nice way to uh, to ring you as as a guest. So I appreciate. It. I haven't seen my draft video. I think maybe since I got drafted. So that's been almost nine years ago now. Wow. Yeah. Really? Because I, I saw your reaction when you were watching it, and, and I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. It's it's been a while. That was one of the better moments of my life. So it was, it was nice to relive that for about fifteen seconds. <laughs> yeah. No. We we, uh, we definitely thought. I was like, I can't wait to see his reaction to this video. I wonder how long it's been since he's actually seen this. It's been a while, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, well, um, it's an honor having you on the show this evening. I know everybody's really excited to have you. Hey, it's, listen, like I told you before the show, I'm, I'm always down to do some podcasts, especially when you're talking about Red Sox, so. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to start by just having you tell everybody, you know, what you've been up to and, and everything and how you're doing. Well, I'm doing great, guys. I'm, I'm down here in Hoboken, New Jersey. Um, and I own two restaurants here and, you know, kind of just, which is not a great industry to be in. If you didn't know that already, not a phenomenal industry to be in right now during the pandemic, but, uh, listen, we're having a little bit of fun and, uh, yeah, I'm hoping the Red Sox make some freaking moves and we can have a little bit of a better team this year, but, um, it's, it's slow. It seems like it's slow getting those moves together. Uh, it seems like Bloom hasn't, isn't too eager to make this team a lot better for this year. Yeah, no, um, congratulations on the restaurants. I'm sure that probably can't be easy right now. Unfortunately, this pandemic has put a damper on a lot of businesses. So I can't, I can't imagine that being an easy, easy thing to be doing right now. But no, it's not. They, yeah, come come them all. At some point. Yeah, for sure. Come down, down. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's really exciting, though. Um, I do have uh, a listener that listens every week that said he was really excited to have you coming on. He said you were one of his favorite prospects. So I'm sure that uh, that he'll be excited to to hear this episode too. So oh, we to think that out. That's good. I was I I didn't turn out so well, but I'm happy I was one of the better prospects or one of his favorite prospects. That's nice. Yeah. Well, um, again, we all appreciate you being here, and I can't wait to talk some Red Sox. And you kind of touched on it already. How frustrating this off season has kind of been. I think we've all been anxiously awaiting them making some moves, and you know. They'll say that they'll express interest, and then interest doesn't really turn into much of anything. So, you know, the first thing that I want to start with is actually something that I was kind of discussing with some people earlier today is Andrew Benintendi. Um, I think that there's a big question mark kind of surrounding his future with the Red Sox, whether he's staying or whether he's going. So what exactly are your thoughts on that? Because I've heard a lot of mixed things on, you know, they're not, they're not going to trade him now. I, I mean, my thought on the whole thing is, 
I'd be okay with him being traded depending on what they can get for him. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. You know, part of me feels like we're giving up on the guy too quick. He was, he's a great player. He was at one point our best prospect and contributing at the major league level at a high level uh, for the, the world series year. Um, the other part of me is like, I, you know, we're kind of trying to rebuild here. He has love. He has some value still right now. If he goes out and has a bad 2021, that value plummets even further. Um, and I, I understand possibly at least exploring the options. I would prefer them not to do it as publicly as they're doing it because if they do bring Andrew Benintendi back, uh, that's kind of it's, it's that's a tough tough pill to swallow. Uh, although I'm sure he he everything I've never met the I've never met him once actually, but every, he's a definite professional, so I'm sure he'll be able to handle it. Uh, but I don't know if you saw uh, this afternoon I tweeted out talking about Andrew Benintendi and Peter Gammons re- replied saying that he didn't think that this was, it was coming. And Peter Gammons, let me tell you. He is a good friend of Alex Cora's, um, so I I would imagine that he's he's going to stick around, or the, at least the Red Sox are leaning towards him sticking around for the for the twenty twenty one season. Yeah, okay, I did see that on your Twitter, and then I got a little bit confused because I was like, wait, I thought earlier today the plan was that they were still, you know, they were still interested in having in having him leave. I do wonder though if they could get you know some pitching out of it and or something that they desperately need, I wonder if they actually really would just pull the trigger and trade him. I think they would. I think if they yeah. got the right package, I think, I mean, technically pretty much no one is untouchable, right? Besides probably the Mookie Betts, or at least we thought Mookie Betts was untouchable, right? And that didn't yeah. happen. But <laughs> we, you know, it, essentially anyone could put together the right package for any player. So there's everyone's on the table. Uh, Andrew Bantani for sure is on the table. I think if they got the right pitching prospects in return uh, to kind of start building, I think they would they would definitely pull the trigger. I just don't know enough about the Miami Marlins farm system to know if they have the prospects down there to do it. I would assume they were. They've been the worst team in baseball for ten years. Yeah. I assume they have the prospects, but um, I don't know who who we're targeting really, and, and if there's if there's any real merit to it. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I mean, I think that it have to be he'd have to get the exact right package and make it worth it. Really, trading. Somebody proposed the possibility of possibly doing a trade that involves both him and Michael Chavis now that Dalbeck's on the team. Yeah. And there isn't really as much of a, a place for Chavis on the team anymore. So I do wonder if that's something that they would even consider. But again, I feel like it would have to be, they'd have to get the right package for it. Yeah. I just, I, I've, you know, I've talked about this a lot, but on Twitter, I've talked about it a little bit on my own podcast and it, the Red Sox right now are just in a position where they don't need to rush to make decisions. They're not going to compete for a world series in 2021. They, they, they don't have a good farm system. They're a big league team. Their line's pretty solid, but they're in their staff. If they can get sale healthy, if they can get Ira, you know, Rodriguez healthy, they can do these. They have a decent staff with a, an okay bullpen. I think Matt Barnes will be pretty good in the back end of that bullpen this year. Uh, they just, they just don't need to rush to make decisions, um, at all this year. They can hold off. They can let some other teams set the market and, and move from there. So I, I'm I'm not surprised they haven't made m- many moves or try to get anything really out of Andrew Benetay. They kind of just leak some stories that they want more. Um, I'm not surprised that that's kind of the route they're taking. I think, I think again, we'll see a slow progression here, even get, as we get closer and closer to uh, spring training. Yeah, no, I definitely think so. And and I totally agree with you. There is no need to really rush into anything right now because they, they're not trying to compete for a World Series this year. They know that there's holes that they need to fill and they know that they need to revamp the farm system and they know that this isn't going to be their year as it is. So why rush to trade somebody if they're not going to get exactly what they need out of it? And Andrew Benintendi, I mean, 
yeah, he's had a couple down seasons the last couple seasons, really after 2018. But why why rush into trading him if, if they're not getting the perfect package for them that's really going to be beneficial? So I think it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens with that as we get closer to spring training. But I do know a lot of people on Twitter are like, well, what is actually really happening with Andrew Benintendi? Yeah, I, it's understandable. But you also remember that, tw- that 2020 season is a shortened season. Who knows how Andrew would have done yeah. in that full season? You know, it. And I talked about it a lot, how the Miami Marlins were able to compete uh, for a playoff spot that year or last year and how these 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 things could have happened. I even pushed the Red Sox if, because you have three weeks of a good year, three weeks, you know, start off hot in April, quote unquote, which last year was August. And next thing you know, you could be you could be leading the AL East and be one of the worst teams in baseball. And yeah. you're, you know, you make a make the playoffs when you don't really deserve to be there. That 162 game season, you know, usually lets the the best teams rise to the top. Uh, it's same with the hitters. You know, the hitters could get off to us. How many times have we seen great hitters get off to a slow April and May? And yeah. that's really all we have to pull from with Andrew Benintendi last year is in April and May, and all of a sudden now he's the worst player. We get him out, get him the hell out of Boston, which is you know pretty much the the Boston mantra, but. I think I think I wouldn't be upset to see him stay this year and, and see what he can do in a full season again. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. I think that this past season is really hard to judge players' performances because I mean, and even teams in general. I mean, like you like you touched on already, that expanded playoffs just allowed more teams to get into the playoffs than typically would, and it just kind of you know just ruined the competitiveness of it a little bit. And just playing sixty games is really not enough to see how somebody would perform in a regular length season because you know like you said, players go into slumps and they could start off slow. And by the time, if you, if you start off slow in April and in a shortened season like that, then by the time you actually get to, you know, halfway through the season, then it's already kind of too late by that point because you've already been through too many games. And even with teams in general, teams go through slumps during your season too. So if you have a team that goes on like an eight or nine game losing streak in that 60 game season, that did a lot of damage, but in a regular 162 game season, that eight or nine game losing streak, you can you can come back from that and still and still be you know be in contention after that. Yeah, and you have to factor in the mental part of that whole thing. Is if you get off to a slow start in a in a sixty game season, all of a sudden you're you're already pressing the panic button because you don't have much time to catch back up. And, and again, that's more so teams, but you also have that. You know, if I was a if I was a pitcher and I had two bad appearances as a reliever in the first three weeks two weeks of the season. I only got four or five weeks left to make a good year out of this. And if I happen to get even a couple more bad, bad appearances, I'm looking at a terrible 2020 and now everyone's, you know, I'm all on the trading block and things like that. So I think it's, I think it's in reality, I think uh, last year we can just throw away. Um, and I'm, I, I, again, I hope that we see uh, a better Andrew Benatani this year and I hope some better players. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And uh, kind of on that note, you touched on this briefly before, but I do want to talk about the pitching because right now, you know, there's still a lot of question marks in the pitching. We don't know if Chris Sale is going to come back in full form. You know, after coming off of Tommy John surgery, it's really hard to know how a pitcher is going to come back after that. And, you know, I think Tanner Houck was really good, but that's a really small sample size for him, too. We don't know if that's going to carry over into this year. I mean, it'll be nice to have Erod back, but again, we don't know if he's going to be back in full form either. Um, and so I think there's a lot of question marks in the starting pitching right now. And, you know, even the bullpen, especially too, because the bullpen has been, been a problem for them lately. So when it comes to the pitching, I think that there's definitely still some, you know, good and decent pitching out there that they can go after, but it just doesn't seem like they've really expressed 
heavy interest in a lot of them besides Corey Kluber, who ended up with the Yankees. So now they're kind of at the point where it's like, well, what is their plan for the pitching? Are they going to try to just hope that that they can roll with what they have and and try to trust that players like Tanner Houck will still be really good? And, you know, I like Nathan Avaldi. I think that he's a little inconsistent, but I think overall he can be a pretty good pitcher. But just with the with the question marks, I just am concerned a little bit about the starting rotation. I feel like they definitely could use another starter, and there are still some out there that that could be beneficial. Yeah, I think I I, I agree with you. The the there's question marks surrounding our starting rotation. Um, Erod and, and and Chris Sale in particular, the top top of the rotation, which you never want question marks up there, but we'd have them. Yeah, <clears throat> I think that's another reason why I, I don't think we we make decisions quickly. I think you see what Tanner's got. I think you see what this what this this group has, and 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 you make moves accordingly from there. We we have we have 365 days to to put together a team for 2022. We're not putting together a team for this year. I'm just hoping that it's it's watchable baseball because last year it wasn't so watchable um, for 2021. So uh, I think you you see what these guys have. I think you you run with that. You see how Chris Sale bounces back. You see how Eddie Rodriguez bounces back and see what we're looking at. If we can have those two guys at the top of the rotation, you have Evaldi. Um, I know Jake Odorizzi is a guy that people we've been targeting a little bit. If you have those three guys and they're healthy and pitching well, um, we're in a really good position. And you might make different decisions and in the free agency, free agent market of 2022 than you would if you'd made them right now, not knowing what those question marks might be you know, moving forward. So I, I'm okay holding out and waiting to see. Um, I think if we have an opportunity to get a, a solid pitcher that's controllable for a couple of years, I think we take that opportunity, but uh, I wouldn't rush to anything. Yeah, yeah. So you're basically saying as of right now with what they have, you'd be okay with just kind of going with that for now and just seeing and if, if the opportunity arises to get one of those one of those other pitchers. Because yeah. I know, I mean, James Paxton's still available and Tanaka's still available and some Red Sox fans are like, oh, we could use one of them, but – you know, it, 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 there's there's definitely a lot about the pitching, I think. And, again, the pitching was the downfall last year because people forget. I mean, the Red Sox had some pretty good offensive numbers last year. I mean, they, they led the league in hits last year. So it's not like the offense is going to be an issue, but it just people forgot because the pitching was so bad. Yeah, and, they're, and the hitting – I think the hitters would have done even better if they weren't having to play behind the whole time. Yeah. Uh, which is what they, yeah. they constantly had to do. You know, that that puts some pressure for the, for the hitters immediately uh, if you're playing from behind constantly. Um, I, you know, I don't think we go after a James Paxton. I think he's another question mark, although I think he's a good player. He's another question mark. He's an injury prone guy. I don't think we need to add that type of guy to the, to the roster, especially if we're trying to save money right now, which it seems like we are. And Tanaka, I think Tanaka came out. I don't know if he's still, if he's sticking to it, but it seems like he's going back to Japan. Um, I don't think they're, they're making an agreement. Uh, and he, he seemingly, I think he came out in the public said that he was, uh, was only going to sign with the Yankees in the U S if not, he was going. Oh, home. So yeah. um, it, it's, I don't think there's anyone out there enticing enough for us to make a move right now and wear a salary for 2021 when we're not competing um, to to make that move. Even from a business standpoint, I don't think I don't think it's there from for a John for John Henry to even attempt to make that move unless again they're controllable and we're preparing ourselves for 2022 2023. Did you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely understand what you're saying, and I think that that's a really good point because. You know, if none of those pitchers seem super desirable right now, and with James Paxton, that is really true. He's an injury-prone guy, so if you're bringing him into the pitching staff, you already know it's going to be a risk. 
So, you know, why, why, why do something like that right now when, and spend the money when you don't necessarily need to. And I, I definitely am with you on that, but I know, you know, Corey Kluber was a big name that was tossed around and had he not signed with the Yankees, do you think that that's a move that you would have made if, if the opportunity presented itself? Because, you know, I think that the, the risk would have been a lot lower than the reward for somebody like Corey Kluber. I think I would have done Kluber. Uh, I would have, he would have been a great clubhouse guy, a guy that would have been able to help some young guys come along because he's one of those guys. He did throw mid to upper nineties, but he's also one of those guys that, you know, did a lot with his cutter uh, and pitched really, truly pitched. And we have guys in our, in our starting rotation right now. I think that are still kind of grasping how to, how to pitch in the big leagues. I think Corey Kluber is a guy that would have been able to help that uh, and help guys along. I mean, he's, 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 the guy is a stud, but he doesn't, he's not like a Chris sale that absolutely just has lights out things that, he, I'm sure Chris Hale knows how to pitch, but you know it's tough. You know Chris Hale can't come to me and talk to me about how no, this is where you throw your slider. My slider is nothing like Chris Hale's. Yeah. I can't do those same things, and that's so it's tough with those premier premier players. Um, you're just talking about different things, and Corey Kluber uh, has has been successful with things that aren't the the top of the top of the the world as far as stuff is concerned. So I, I would have liked to have him on the on the roster. Also coming off some injuries. You know, certain you know, not not super desirable. So I think we could have gone for cheaper than some of the other guys on the market. Um, I would I would have, I would have pulled the trigger on Corey Kluber. And I think we we tried to. I just don't think um, we were willing to pay the pay the price that other teams were. Yeah, no, definitely. I think they they were pretty seriously interested in pursuing Kluber. I just think that the price that other teams were willing to pay was just not something that the Red Sox wanted to do. And I can understand that because of the circumstances in a way, but you know, that was my top choice of the free agent pitchers too. And I was like, you know, if they can't get Kluber, I don't know if there's really anybody else I'd be really super confident in. I think that that Kluber would have definitely been an enhancement to the lineup though. I think that he could have been really beneficial. And like you said, he could have helped out some of the young guys and everything else. And I think that that, and I don't know. I think that was just kind of the one that was a bummer to me was as soon as I found out he signed with the Yankees, I was like, oh, come on. I was like, of all teams for him to sign with. And like, that was the player that I really wanted to. So of course it has to be the Yankees. But um, I understand, like I saw what the Yankees are paying him. And I don't think that I would have done that or been happy with them paying him that same kind of money. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you're always going to get outbid by contenders, especially big market contenders. You know, if he goes to, you know, the Rockies, or he goes to a team that's selling off right now, like the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm like, all right, well, how do we not outbid the Pittsburgh Pirates? Like, you know, we're 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 a better team than Pittsburgh, but we're still in the same boat. We're not contending for a World Series this year. We should have we should have been able to outbid that team. But he's going to the Yankees. There's no way we're gonna we're we're not in a position to try to put more as much money on the Yankees or on the Yankees overpay for everyone. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Let alone Corey Kluber. You know, we're not, well, I don't think, I don't think anybody how much money the Yankees offered. Him. Exactly. So it is not, it, I think we would have really aggressively had to overpay for Corey Kluber. And I think it would have been the wrong move. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that for sure. Cause you know, obviously the whole salary cap thing was something that the Red Sox have been super conscious of ever since training Mookie Betts. And that was obviously, we knew that that was going to be a priority for them was, was the, the salary cap. And, you know, obviously that whole Mookie trade situation was just not ideal for any of us. Um, it, that's, it's rare, that kind of talent. And I don't know that they'll ever find that kind of talent again. It It's very frustrating to me, Gabby. Um, so it, it's, you know, I, I, from a person who, when I got drafted in 2012, I, that's when I met Mookie. Mookie was on, was in the Lowell Spinners with me. And I remember playing with the guy and came, came up to him through Greenville. 
Uh, and then he he went off and completely surpassed me. I didn't start playing with him again until the big leagues. Uh, but he he was he's a, he's not a once in a lifetime generational talent. I'm sure we'll see other. We always talk about once in a lifetime, but in reality, it's probably about three times in a lifetime that we see these guys. Uh, but to have him come, you know, be brought up through the farm, you know, you know, be a Red Sox guy through and through. And some of those people I see on Twitter all the time, people talk about how Mookie didn't want to say, listen, I know the guy personally. He may not have wanted to stay there. And I haven't actually talked to him about what he wanted to do. But I know Mookie. If you, if they gave him a realistic offer and wanted to pay, he wanted to go to somewhere that he could win and that would, that would value the guy. And the Dodgers were willing to do that. The Dodgers were willing to pay the price for, for premier, premier talent in the game. And now they have him, and now they're winning World Series while the, the Red Sox are over here. You know, trying to sign Corey Kluber for a good clubhouse guy. You know, it's it's yeah. it's very frustrating. We had such a good player there, and then we had the young Devers, we had Xander Bogarts, we had we had such a good core that could have ran for a while. Um, and you know, they chose you know their their pocketbooks over that, which I mean, business is business. But I would have preferred to see Mookie stick around for a ten you know ten fifteen years and, and retire as a Red Sox because he could realistically could have been one of our you know you know Derek Jeter type players for the Red Sox. Um, and, and we just, you know, sent him, sent him packing. I know that was super upsetting. As soon as I found out that that news broke, I was like, oh my gosh, no. I was like, Mookie is like supposed to be a lifelong Red Sox. Like, what are we doing right now? This is just not, this is not how this works. No, it's not. And it's, it, it was frustrating for me to see. I knew it was coming myself. I mean, all the reports were talking about it. They yeah. were getting rid of them. Um, and it was just, I think the whole thing was so mismanaged. Um, from top to bottom, you, you had a guy, if you didn't want to sign, then you guys misread the situation immensely. And now we got some good players in return. Of course, you know, we have some guys that you know, got back from Mookie Betts, but the package we could have gotten for him if we had just you know, read the situation correctly or if we actually just ponied up and actually offered the gentleman money, even if you wanted to get rid of him, give him the contract and then trade him. And now the other team's got controllable years, and now you got a guy, now you're bringing in an absolute ridiculous package for a guy like Mookie Betts. Um, but they didn't make that move. And now we're, you know, we're in, we're in a much worse position than we were. I'm sure the, the, the balance sheet looks a little bit better for Boston, but uh, we're in a little bit worse position and, and who knows when we'll ever see a guy like that again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the David price aspect of it was, you know, I was, I was pretty okay with that just because they, I, I just felt like they, that was too big of a contract for them. And so I was kind of happy that, that aspect of it was kind of getting unloaded, but Mookie just was the type of player that we knew was or thought was going to be in Boston for probably his whole career. So then, yeah, they, they definitely missed the ball when it came to that whole package as it was. And I think that's what made the whole situation even more disappointing because it just, it wasn't ideal how the whole situation ended up playing out in the end either. No, it wasn't. And I understand that David Price getting, you know, unloading that contract, um, much as I love David, I, he probably wasn't living up to that big of a of a, of a price tag. Um, as you know, you're expecting you expect a premier ace with that kind of money coming in, and he wasn't. He, I mean, he was good. He, he got us to a World Series. He definitely helped that that team win a World Series. We might not win it without him, but by the same token, yeah, he's probably overpaid uh, for the position he was in. Uh, and we were able to do so because we had such young talent. We had guys like Devers who were making league minimum. We got guys like Mookie Betts who was, I think, in the first year of ARB or something like that at the time. So you're not making crazy money. And I think, I, I think we wanted to get rid of David Price 
uh, yeah. in, in such a way that I think we 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 just comboed it with Mookie, and, and then we took some guys, Alex Verdugo, and those guys. But there, I just we had such a good guy there, and we had such a team. People who would want to come to Boston to build and play around Mookie Betts, and now we we just don't have that guy. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I mean, I do have high hopes for Alex Verdugo, though. I think like he he could turn into a really good player. But when you look at the whole grand scheme of things, what they got from Mookie just was not exactly at all at all ideal. And I think it was that was just they kind of missed the mark on that whole situation. And now here we are, and, and you know we're seeing all these consequences of that. But yeah, Mookie was just, just one of those players, and I know how much I struggled watching him in a Dodgers uniform. Yeah. Listen, I, I'm as much as I'm a Red Sox fan, you know, obviously I have friends, you know, these guys are some of them I consider friends at least, or people that I root for very, very much. So, so um, I would have loved to see Mookie um, in Boston, but I had so much hatred for Boston for sending him away. I was, I was kind of happy that Mookie was sticking it to them in the first year that he left, that he just let it, he took a team that couldn't win a world series and, and, and got him to, you know, got that ring and who they're set up to win in 2022, possibly 2023, San Diego's making a push for them, but uh, it, they they are in such a good position with Mookie there, uh, and now Boston again. Boston is is far worse and in a much worse position um, than than we were, you know, again with with Mookie there. So it was it was a frustrating way to handle all that. And now again, it, Alex Verdugo, I think is a good player, but from speaking from a guy who went through the minor league system, who how many times you heard this guy or this guy's going to be, oh, this guy we're comparing to Mickey Mantle, yeah. uh, this guy, and then they turn to Clint Frazier, who's a good player. He's a good player, but he's not. He's not Mickey Mantle. No, you know he's you know it's it's so few guys. We're talking about Bryce Harper is good, but he's not. He's 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 just a good player. You know, he's not, you're not talking about the Mike Trouts of the world, the Mookie Betts of the world, you know, we'll see what some of these younger guys do, but it's just so rare to have that type of guy. You, when you have him, you pay him. That's just the end of the story. No one's going to get upset at you for paying Mookie freaking bets. Exactly. Nobody's going to give you a hard time. And I don't think any Red Sox fan would ever say, oh, we're, we're spending too much money on Mookie Betts. No, it's Mookie Betts. I go into the press conference. I'd probably curse in the press conference, but I've got, guys, it's Mookie Betts. What do you want from me? I had to pay him $40 million a year. That's what I needed to do. It's Mookie Betts. Yeah, like he's worth that kind of money. Like no matter what it was going to be, he was worth it to have him stay there. And, and you know, I mean, I'm happy for him that he won that ring in L.A., but it definitely was disappointing because that's going to be a hard thing to make up for. But speaking of the outfield, actually, this leads well into what I want to talk about next. So how do you feel about that Hunter Renfro signing? Because I actually feel like he might – fit in well there. I mean, I think based on his hitting style, I think Fenway Park might actually be a good place for him. Yeah, I think Hunter will do well. Uh, he's not a game changer. Uh, he's not going to he's not going to take this team to an uh, to another level. But I think he's a good player. Uh, he's been in the league for a little while now. Um, I think he's I think Fenway Park's unique. Like you said, I think he, he'll be able to hit into that ballpark well. Um, but again, it, it's as much as I like the Hunter, Hunter Renfro signing, I was preaching all winter and I know you're the same way preaching all winter that why are we, we don't, we don't really have holes in our lineup. Yeah. We have, I mean, yeah, maybe our, we could be a little bit better defensively in, in the outfield at times, even though we have possibly the best center fielder, you know, in baseball out there if he stays, but it, it's, it was, again, it was, it was like, okay, when I saw the signing, I was like, that's, that's great. I'm happy Hunter Renfro is on our team. That's, that's someone I think is, is making our team better, but, where is our focus right now? Why is our focus there? 
Um, and I'm actually curious. I haven't been able to been, had a chance to do this, but I'd love to see what the 2022 uh, free agent class looks like or 2021 free yeah. agent class looks like. Cause I'm curious um, if they have people targeted ne- next year in their, for their pitching that they're just kind of passing on these guys or throwing bones here and there to see what we can do. But I'm curious if there's guys that are in that class that they really, really want. Um, and that's why there hasn't been much of an emphasis on pitching this, this off season. You know, that's what I was wondering too, to be honest. And I thought, you know, we, everybody keeps preaching the fact that the pitching is obviously where the struggles lie and what needs the most work. But I just find it really, really strange that they haven't really expressed a lot of interest in any of these pitchers. And I'm like, yeah, I wonder if they see, if they see people in that class and they're like, oh, we want this pitcher and this pitcher. So maybe they're just not putting a lot of emphasis on it right now because they'd rather wait to get some of those guys than, than, try to, you know, find a way to work in some of these pitchers that they can pick up now. It's yeah. a possibility. I think it's a big possibility. Definitely a possibility. And you never know what happens at, at deadlines and things like that, where they might be able to make some moves. Um, you just, you just don't know what it holds. Uh, and I, again, I wish I did the research. I wish I'd looked in it. And I, I just have been lazy, but there are, there's there. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that there is, it's a star studded uh, free agent class uh, for pitching and be able to kind of, you know, cause I think this lineup's good enough to take us places. I just think our pitching is not quite there. And I think that's everyone. Anyone who's ever watched the Boston Red Sox game in 2020 knows that that's what's holding us back. No one's concerned about the lineup right now. Yeah, no, no lead was really safe because of that pitching. And you no. can't rely on – you cannot rely on, on the um, – on the lineup to come in every game and just come back and win games. You can't, you can't rely on that. And, you know, the other frustrating thing that came with that, I think was just when you would bring pitchers in late in the game that weren't really reliable to come in late in those games. So for example, Matt Barnes, I think is a good relief pitcher to have on the team. However, he's not a ninth inning guy. You can't have somebody like Matt Barnes come in and pitch in the ninth inning when the Red Sox are up by one run and expect him to hold the lead. Every time they brought him in in the ninth or, or, or it showed him warming up to come in in the ninth, I would always be on the edge of my seat because I was like, oh, no, if we don't have a big enough lead for this, I don't know if I can handle watching him in the ninth inning. And I know that they've the name Alex Colomay has actually come up for the Red Sox in terms of a closer, but I just do feel like something needs to be done about that because I don't really realistically see anybody in the bullpen right now that's actually a reliable ninth inning closer type of guy. I think I think I think you're right on that. I think I think Matt is really the only one you can really think of out there right now that could that could do it. But he's been he has a lot to prove in, in that respect. He has he has had his ups and downs and and when you look for a close you look for that guy that's just absolutely even the whole way. Of course he's going to have his you, have, you know, every now and again, he's going to blow up and things are going to suck. But you want that guy that you know is Mr. Reliable. And and Matt hasn't been that guy. Uh, I sure as hell was never that guy, considering I'm out of baseball doing these podcasts with you. But, <laughs> you know, I think it would be nice to get a guy back there that can that can that can hold down the four. And, you know, that one in one run game that he can do it. Uh, I just and I think Colin is a good player. I don't know. He's is he a free agent, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know what his contract would look like. He's kind of a waste of space going into 2021. Like I said, we're not we're not trying to we're not, we don't really care about winning ball games in 2021. Uh, so it's you know I I don't want to overpay for for a start or a closer right now when he's yeah okay you will win instead of you know 50 games they year will win 60. But it's yeah. it's I think we the bullpen needs fortifying for sure. There's a lot of yeah. lot of holes out there. There's a lot of guys that, you know, are really, really iffy. And you put them into tough spots, 
they don't do so well. And we saw it time and time again in 2020. Oh, way too many times. Yeah. And, and I think that people are getting frustrated and I can see why fans would be getting frustrated because they don't really think about it as much that way. They think about it as more like, you know, this pitching needs work, Like, why aren't we doing anything? And to them, I think it seems like the Red Sox are just not really doing anything at all, but they, I feel like are just kind of thinking about more long-term because there's no point in thinking about just 2021 because that, that strategy is just not going to work. Cause if you overpay players to come in in 2021 and then you don't go anywhere with it, then it's like, well, then, then where did that get you? Cause then you're kind of back to square one at that point and back to where we are now and, and, you know, trying to find players to rebuild the, the bullpen, but the bullpen definitely is, is kind of the area that needs the most work still. And it's been that way for a long time. Even in the 2018 World Series run, they were talking about how that bullpen was like the weak spot of the team. You know, you had obviously a star-studded, you know, pitching rotation. The the, the hitting was outrageous. And they always talked about that, those relievers as the, eh, who knows, you know, who knows what you're going to get. And we've been that way for a long time now. And there has never been really put an emphasis. I mean, I loved, absolutely love Brandon Workman. I, I wish we we had kept yeah, him. Yeah. Um, it's another guy that I played with. And when I that guy didn't care about anything. Is there's no there is no situation too big for Brandon Workman. He didn't care if they were up ninety or if they were up one with you know bases loaded and Trout up to bat. That yeah. guy just didn't care. That's just the way the guy was, and that's why he was so good with Boston. He actually struggled in Philly when he left, but he was so good in Boston that way. I was very upset to see him leave. And we don't really have that guy anymore. We don't have that guy out there. I know Matt, I know Matt Barnes. Like he's kind of like me. He's a nice guy. You know, he's he he throws a hundred. Great curveball, really strikeout stuff, but he he doesn't have that you know almost like that killer mentality uh, that you need in that in that back end in Boston. You might not need it in Miami. You might not need it in San Diego. Even who's going to compete for a World Series this year because it's not quite like that. But when you're in Boston, when you're in the Bronx, when you're in Queens, uh, when you're at Wrigley, you know you need that guy that is just an absolute savage out there. I remember when I when I was out there it was Craig Kimbrell, and that guy was. I mean, yeah, he was he was amazing. The guy was fantastic, and yeah. but he had that killer mentality. It wasn't so like he was mean to me or anything, but you just he wasn't. You just had that personality, and, okay. yeah. and he the guy the guy was guy guy was just he was really good. Minus the fact that he made me get Vienna fingers every game for the bullpen. I don't understand <laughs> why he wanted. He never even ate them. He just kept, I kept to go to CVS every day before the game to get Vienna. That's, that's beside the point. But yeah, that we need we definitely need to fortify that bullpen and make it a little bit better position for the next coming years. Twenty twenty one, I couldn't care less. Let's make sure it's good for if we sign uh, column A or whatever. I, I, I was hope for its multi year deal, two, three, yeah. four years, so that we have him. I'm okay overpaying for twenty twenty one if you're actually going to make a run in twenty twenty two. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up too. Was like there'd be zero point in bringing him in if it's just some kind of one year deal and they're spending all this money on him for just 2021. But if they really commit to him and they're like, okay, he's going to be our closer for the next few years and they offer him a good amount of money for like a three to four year deal, then I would probably be okay with them bringing him in for this upcoming season. Cause then at least we know that we have him after 20, after 2021, when hopefully they're in a better place come 2022 and they know at that point they have a real closer. And, yeah. you know, Brandon Workman, I, I've always been high on him. He, Whenever he came into games, I was like, okay, yeah, he's the one I would want to come in in this situation too. You know, bases loaded, um, you know, seventh inning, whatever. 
and he would come into the game and I was like, okay, yeah, I think we'll be okay. Like out of anybody in this bullpen right now, he's the one that I think could come in and get the job done. So I was really upset that they packaged him into that Philly trade. Cause I was like, Oh no, like he's, he's like their best reliever right now. So that was definitely another one that was a little disappointing, but yeah, I mean, he underperformed when he got to Philly, but again, 2020 was just, just a crazy year, but, but yeah, he was one of my favorites too, but my dad did say in one of the comments up here, he said they need Pat Light back. So <laughs> I think uh, that could be a possibility. I I don't think so. My arm would, would fall off. People ask me to throw here all the time and every, every now and again, I, I whip out the glove and, and throw a little bit. If I try to throw more than like 60 miles an hour, my shoulder starts throbbing. Um, so I don't know that I still, I mean, I'm 29, I guess I still probably have it if I worked out to be a pitcher again, but, yeah. um, I couldn't throw a freaking strike. I went out to Seattle and I, I was throwing it everywhere and I was just like, well, this sucks. So they released me. I was like, I'm done with this. This is miserable. I was running, I remember running out to the bull, running out to the mound and being like, I'm going to be horrible right now. This is not going <laughs> to go well. I don't know why they called on me to go out there, uh, but it was it was a tough time. If I if someone told me that I would throw a strike, if you were a genie, Gabby, and you was like, yeah, one wish, and I'd be like, yeah, I want to throw strikes again, I would go. I would work out. I would go play for the Red Sox right now. Uh, but that was not in the cards for, for for myself or my baseball career. What was it like to strike out Mike Trout, though? A player like that who's that good and is, you know, one of the best there is. Well, unfortunately, we were losing by about 18 runs at the time. So, and I had already been booed by 40,000 people. So I, I honestly didn't even realize I did it. Uh, I was just so wrapped up in what was happening in the game uh, that, uh, and I didn't even know it was really a big deal. And then it had to be like a year later is when I started, when I, when I was like, oh, wow, I did strike out my trout. And then my post career, Jared Kravis over at Barstool, uh, yeah. We had been talking, and now I, I I mention it almost daily on my Twitter page, but yeah, it, was, yeah, it was a borderline strike. But it's still cool that uh, I may have uh, struck out at the end of when it's all said and done. I might have been the best baseball player of all time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like that's a cool thing you can go look back on and say and be like, well, you know, I might not have been that good, but I did strike out my drum. Seriously, do you TikTok, Gabby? Yeah. Okay, so I'm on TikTok now. That's a thing. And I've been doing this stuff where you do you gotta do series and stuff, right? You gotta do like yeah. crazy what you gotta do on this thing. And I feel like I feel like I'm talking like I'm 90 years old. But it's, yeah. it's you know, I'm doing this series. I'm so I'm going through the hitters that in that I pit, pitched against in my career that I did well against. What I'm realizing is I did amazing against great hitters in the big leagues and horrible against everyone else. It was like everyone you could imagine that I pitched on good teams absolutely dominated them. If you, anyone else in the lineup, the triple A guy that's just going back and forth, the, the seven hole hitter who hasn't, hasn't seen a base hit since Nam just absolutely crushed me. Everyone, but you talk about Mike Trout, Todd Frazier, you talk about all the Todd Frazier. I'm over three or three strikeouts the year after he won the world home run derby. I mean, I'm getting everyone, Jose Abreu, and then oh yeah, like good not. hitters. These amazing hitters, and I'm doing great against them. And then it comes to you know Joe Schmo, and they're like hitting line drives back in my face. <laughs> yeah, no, that's pretty. That's pretty funny, actually. Maybe it's a mental thing. I guess I remember pitching when I was with the Twins, pitching against uh, Vic. Uh, what was his name? I don't remember that guy. I remember Miguel Cabrera and whoever was behind it was a lefty guy. I can't remember who it is, but uh, absolutely went rolled through those guys. And then you know who got ended up getting me, who was a no name at the time, but turned out to be really freaking good, JD Martinez. 
Really? That guy laced me around the field. Oh at my only God. singles, but he got every bit of the baseball, let me tell you. And I was I'm like, sure he's out, yeah, like, who is this guy? And sure <laughs> enough, now he's the, one of the better hurts in baseball, so I'm okay with it. But I couldn't believe it at the time. The guy literally, he never missed a baseball that I threw. <laughs> You're like, who is this? Like, this is He was like, I want to say he batted like maybe sixth in the order in Detroit uh, in 2016. Yeah. So he was like, he was a big guy, but they had some some good prospects coming up. JD had been, I think he traded over from Arizona. Is that where he came yeah. from? Yep. So he was like, you, you knew a little bit about the guy that he was a solid hitter, but you didn't really know anything like this was happening. And you then know, now he's turned, really, you know, he wasn't one of those players that people would think of when they were yeah. thinking. And now he's turned into JD Martinez, and you're like, exactly. oh wow, he yeah. really was a really good hitter. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, you know, I, I I think that the pitching situation is definitely an issue. I do want to go back to this topic though that we touched on before, and that is the Jackie Bradley Jr. situation. Because to me, I've read the Hunter Renfro signing in the first place as they're not planning on keeping JBJ. And I know a lot of people have mixed feelings on that because they think, you know, he'd require a lot more money than they should want to pay him. But at the same time, you know, I mean, he's one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball. And how, how do you really get somebody to fill that hole on defense? Because, you know, they'd have to rearrange the outfield. It would probably be, you know, for Dugo and center if they don't keep JBJ and then if they do keep him, Renfro probably would just serve as a fourth outfielder if Benintendi stays. But, you know, I mean, I like JBJ, obviously his hitting isn't, you know, one of the best on the team or anything like that, but defensively, he's just one of those talents that again, you, you don't really see often. Yeah. I, I would love to have JBJ back. You know, I'll be honest. I remember that center field in Boston is not a typical center field. This is not an easy center field to play. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like you're just substituting in a guy that it's just, you know, flip a switch and now you know how to play center field in Boston. It's it, that outfield is unique in all the positions, you know, left, center and right. And yeah. we have a guy who knows exactly how to do it. And he's the best center fielder in the game. Uh, and he's a very talented hitter. He's just, you know, they have the ship now on him. They got these things he, and he has been working through some things, but. The guy is lightning quick. He's very fast, puts pressure on defenses when he's hitting, even when he's hitting ground balls. Uh, I think he has a lot of value for Boston. And I, I don't see him returning. I think he leaves. I think he, I think Jackie's also got a little, maybe a little bit of taste in, about Boston. Uh, yeah. he had some, he's had some negative things happen there. Uh, so I'm not 100% sure that he wants to stay. Uh, and I haven't heard much. I'm not sure if you have, but I haven't heard much about. Uh, Jackie and in the negotiation talks, he's, he at least when I was playing, he was a Boris client, which uh, is never easy to negotiate with. That's why everyone. That's why we, that's why I hired him. That's why Jackie hired him. So uh, I'm sure he's asking for a lot of money. But it's I don't I don't just don't foresee him resigning. I don't think he loves. I think he loves Boston, but I don't think he loves the experience in Boston. I'm sure they're lowballing him right now, which I'm sure he doesn't love either. So I think some, I think someone, he's the type of guy that someone will overpay for a contender who has a has a has a hold fill in center field and that they can go out and they don't need him to hit. Yeah, I don't see him staying either, and that is a bummer to me to say because I've always liked Jackie. I mean, I think he's a good guy. I think he. He did a lot for Boston. He provided a lot of value there, but I just really felt like with them signing another outfielder that that was kind of a sign that he might not stay because I mean, it was either that or they just wanted another outfielder and they wanted to enhance the lineup, which they didn't really need to do. And, you know, maybe create more versatility in the lineup. 
by Hunter, the Hunter Renfro signing. But I just, I just, I haven't heard much either. Like you said, I haven't really actually seen anybody really, um, his name come up in, in conversation really with anybody right now. And, and I think that he'll end up somewhere. I just don't know that the Red Sox would be ready to present him the kind of money that he would be looking for. And I think that that kind of talent in center field, there's a lot of teams that would want that. And I mean, there are teams uh, that, that have, you know, holes in their defense right now that I'm sure would, would um, benefit from somebody like Jackie, but it's just, it's just going to be really sad because that's another one that Jackie was such an asset to this team that I'm not going to be able to look at that outfield the same again. If, if, if Jackie's not there. No, we're, uh, we're just, we're essentially dismantling what, what, you know, what I mean, it's kind of Ben Sherrington, what, and what Theo Epstein kind of, we're kind of seeing the end of it. You know, I was, I, I, I mean, Ben Sherrington left in what, in 15. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he had two more, three more drafts after me, you know, you're seeing just all these guys that were, and the, those were really, we had a mi- loaded minor league system. I remember pitching in those things and just being like, you look up above you and you're like, where the hell am I going to go? I got Henry Owens up there, I got Anthony Renato up there, I got Brandon Workman up there, I got Brian Johnson up there. I got it's it's never ending. Um yeah. with the talent that we had. And then Dave Dombrowski comes in, does what Dave Dombrowski does, send them all packing. Yeah. Now we got Bloom in there to pick up the pieces, and the pieces seemingly are get rid of the guys at the top. Um that That's were what it seems uh, like his strategy is yeah. And it, which is interesting because we're Boston's not typically that team. I understand yeah. that that's you know, we definitely need to rebuild our farm system. That's for sure. Um, Because you don't really get anywhere. And that's what we need. You know, typically when you're a contender at the deadline, you have to trade a few prospects away to fill the holes of the major league level to make a run for the world series. Very rarely are you a world series caliber team in April. You usually figure out what you need come August. You make the deadline moves and you move, but it's, it it seems like we're just kind of, we're, we're moving on. We're we're, we're doing things that, you know, like you said, you get rid of Mookie. I think we're going to get rid of Jackie. And it's again, I'm frustrated just like you are about the Jackie move because we're a team that doesn't need Jackie to hit. Yeah, uh, we don't exactly. need him in our lineup. We but we'd love him in center field. We're 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 made for a guy like Jackie yeah. um to be able to have and to have for five, six years, whoever however long this contract would be. And now he's there for that next run. And he's yeah. he's 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 the best center fielder in the game. Maybe Byron yeah. Buxton, but but Bucks gets gets hurt time, you know, every now and again too. So it's it's a guy who stays healthy and he can play. I, I would love to have him. Yeah, no, I agree. And the amount of ground he can cover in in that outfield, because that's not, like you said, that's not an easy outfield to play in. And when you have, you know, that 2018 World Series run when you had Mookie, Jackie, and Benintendi back there, that was like a, a, a great outfield. You know what I mean? That was a great outfield to have to win that World Series that year. Like, I'll never forget that catch against Houston that Andrew Benintendi made. Oh, yeah. um, that was crazy. And, and it's like, I looked at that outfield and I was like, wow. This is a great outfield to have. Like, I, I can't wait for these guys to be here long term. And now here we are, and Mookie's gone. Jackie likely is gone, and they're even talking about Benintendi being gone. I know it's 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 a sad reality. I think it happened too soon. I think I think a lot of times you see yeah. this. You never we never expect to have Jackie, Mookie, and and Ben Tendi through their entire careers. And we all know that yeah. if they kept going the trajectory they were then, they were all going to be way too expensive. We couldn't keep all of them, but. Yeah. You still, I think we're we're seeing Andrew Benintendi do it. Is, is Andrew, how many years into arbitration is Andrew, Andrew Benintendi? One, yeah, like, like one. That, I, I, think I think he's at two, two years. Yeah, two, but I'm pretty sure it's one. Yeah, so you got Andrew Benintendi one year into arb. We're we're we're, we're kicking, tell him to kick rocks. 
Mookie yeah. was, you know, one year away from free agency, which, you know, I know you you feel like you weren't going to sign, so you told him to kick rocks. We're about to tell Jackie Bradley to kick rocks. Like, it seems like we're just I, – I want to compete in 2022 and 2023. Yeah. Sometimes Some of the moves make me feel like you're looking to compete in 2030. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I question some things, and I'm like, wait, what, what, why, why is this making sense? Yes. Like, you know, like, are you are you just expecting for the next 10 years to not be able to compete? Because, like, I feel like that's not the case. They're, they have, they have too good of a lineup to not compete for 10 years. It's just – a matter of other things and and some of the decisions I'm questioning because I'm like yeah I mean some of these guys are really valuable to this team so what are you what are you trying to exactly do and what do you want to get back from that and you know the answer always should be pitching because there's no reason to get somebody that's just going to be a valuable hitter in the lineup because they have plenty of those now you know like I'm a big Xander Bogarts person too um he's one of my favorite players uh I'm happy that they signed him to that extension too because I think he's 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 worth it to have. Um, Raphael Devers, they only agreed on a one-year deal with him. I thought that was a little strange, too. Some people were like they should have committed to him long-term or else he's going to be a repeat of some of these other players. Yeah, I think I think that's probably more on, on Devers' end than Boston's end. Yeah. I'm sure Boston offered him a long-term deal. I bet you it wasn't good enough to get Devers to do it because Devers is going possibly going to command a, a lot of money in the coming years. Yeah. Um, and you know, you're, you lot, you know, I remember they did it with Brian Dozier when I was in Minnesota, they signed him to like a, a maybe a 20 or $30 million deal. And it was great for the twins because they got a, they got a, they, Brian got his money early on and then the twins got theirs, got, got him for cheap. Uh, but Devers is a different player than Brian Dozier. You know, Brian Dozier was a guy who was hitting home runs out of nowhere, but he was, was never like a well thought of player beforehand. Rafael Devers has been big since I remember when he came from the Dominican Republic over to, to for instructional league. And I got Brian Johnson coming up to me and telling me to, Hey dude, you gotta go throw against this guy. This guy's legit. He's yeah. now looking at me like, dude, he's 12. Well, who am I throwing <laughs> against here? And the guy was. The guy, the guy, I mean, the guy couldn't hit a change up at the time, but the guy was a really good hitter. You could just see he was going to be really good in the future. And I hope that we I hope that we keep this one and we we see him um, at least come close to retiring as a Red Sox uh, because I think he's going to be a really good hitter for us for a long time. Yeah, I agree with that too. And I know that a lot of people were bummed to see that they only signed him to a one-year deal, but – yeah, I think it could have been on his end and that he would want more money from them for a longer term deal than that. But hopefully, hopefully that ends up happening because he's still so young. So he still has such a, such a long career ahead of him, you know, hopefully. Um, and, you know, he's already playing really well and he's already a really good hitter. So it's like, what is he going to do, you know, three years from now? Um, so I, I, I really hope that, that he's a longer term guy. I think that he can really grow with the Red Sox and, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see kind of where he goes, but how do you feel about Alex Cora being back? Because I know that, you know, there was a lot of controversy, like, oh, he's back too soon. You know, he wasn't out of the league long enough. And, you know, as soon as AJ Hinch got it, got a job, I, that's when I was like, okay, that means that Alex Cora probably is coming back. And, you know, the Red Sox were the clear front runner for him because there weren't, wasn't really anywhere else that he would have made sense. Um, it is a completely different team, though, than he had in 2018 that he went to the World Series with. I mean, granted, there's some of the same players, obviously, but in general, it's just a very different team now. And I still am am confident, and like I know that he's a good manager. So overall, I mean, I'm I'm happy with it. Oh, so am I. I think Alex is. Um, 
a first of all, a tremendous person. I know he cheated in Houston. Um, I'm, you know, a little jaded in that respect because I know cheating happens in baseball constantly. So um, I think Houston took it too far. But I think there are a bunch of other teams that probably took it too far too. Houston just got caught uh, doing aggressively aggressive stuff. They definitely shouldn't have done. But uh, I think Alex handled amazingly. You know, I think I've given uh, Carlos Correa a lot of crap on on, on Twitter for the way he's handled things. Um, Jose Altuve, you know, he's he's not, he didn't play well last year, but he just flew under the radar. And now, you know, I I still seem to like the guy. You know, yeah. and I, things happen. People cheat. It's a game. You know, it it is what it is. Everyone's cheating out there. Uh, just who does it more aggressively. Uh, and who gets caught doing it. And again, Major League Baseball, this stuff happens in Major League Baseball. It's stuff that gets leaked to the media that makes everyone a big deal. Major League Baseball would have hit this under the rug 10 times out of 10 if they were allowed to. It just oh, happened, yeah. it happened yeah. to leak. Um, so I, I'm happy with Alex. He's a good person. I played for him in 2015 out in Puerto Rico. He, just a really good person. Uh, and he's a really good manager, especially to develop some of these younger guys. Um and I, I'm sure he's got a nice deal to make sure that he's in place for – he's got a good setup with Boston. He's already been there. He knows how to take this team to the next level. Uh, and guys want to play for him. And that's the biggest thing is, you know, when when free, big free agents, they look for you know, managers they want to play for, not just cities. And I, who wouldn't want to play for Alex Cora? The guy's, guy's a phenomenal human. And that first year that he played, I mean, those pictures on the wall of every win, like yeah. it, the clubhouse experience with Alex – yeah. yeah, it's just it's different. He's a different type of manager, um, and I think that it's a great thing to have him back. Uh, he paid his he paid he paid his dues, and now he's back in baseball, and I'm happy for it. Yeah, no, I agree, and um, you know he acknowledged everything straight up. You know, um, after the fact, and and he just said, yeah, you know, look, I, I made a mistake, and and I really am sorry about it, and. I know, you know, I knew this was going to be the situation. I mean, you know, when, when he got hired by the Red Sox, he knew what he was walking into again. And, and, you know, he knew that he couldn't not acknowledge it. And I remember that first press conference the day that, that the news was, was broken that they were bringing him back on. And, and he just said straight up, you know, look, I, you know, I, I messed up and I'm, I'm not proud of it. And, and I'm really sorry about it. And, you know, that, that's more acknowledgement than a lot of other people on that Astros team were. No. For sure. And let's also not forget, in the beginning, when this whole thing was blowing up, he stayed quiet and let himself take most of the blame that everyone was throwing blame at, the, blame at Alex Cora. And it took, it took a few weeks for him to come out and be like, well, I feel like I'm getting a little bit unfair treatment here. And that's all he really said, though. He stayed quiet. He, he did what he was supposed to do. He took the punishment. And then slowly but surely, things started coming out that that GM, Ludlow, the guy, these guys were, were the masterminds and behind this whole thing. And now, you know, Alex looks a lot better for doing what he did. Um, I mean, I've always been a big fan of what happens in that clubhouse. It stays there. Uh, no matter what you see, you try to handle it within the clubhouse. I didn't love uh, Mike Fears for doing what he did. Um, I won't judge him because I don't know if he tried to go to Major League Baseball. I don't know if he tried to handle it within the clubhouse first and make things stop. I don't know those things. And I also know being a little bit of a younger guy and not being a Justin Verlander, and not being a, a Carlos Correa, not being one of the veteran, you know, Carlos Beltrons on the team. What are you going to say to, you know, if I saw it in the clubhouse in, if I was in Houston there, I wouldn't have said a freaking word. Yeah. I'm going to go up to Carlos Beltran and tell him he can't do this. You kidding yeah, me? Exactly. Like, yeah, I exactly. Yeah. I also would never have come out publicly about it. Yeah. No, but yeah. I definitely, it was, there's only so much you can do as a younger guy. And Mike, I don't know how many years he had at the time in the league, but he wasn't. He wasn't going to command the respect he needed to be able to do that. And you put your your job on the line to do so. Um, so it was the whole thing was handled poorly in Houston. Uh, but again, I think Alex paid his dues. 
Alex is good at what he does. I'm happy with where 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 he's at and where the team's going and, and the tr- where we're trending as long as we keep going the right path and we don't make some of these crazy moves like getting rid of Mookie Betts, the best player of all time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, I'm worried about that though. I genuinely, as soon as they, as soon as that happened, I was like, well, if they are okay with trading Mookie, then they're obviously okay with trading anybody. So what, what could happen now? They get rid of, you know, JD Martinez or, or, you know, somebody like that. I mean, obviously Jackie is not like at the same level as Mookie, but defensively kind of, you know, defensively, I mean, he's the best at his position. So that's why I, I really wouldn't put it past them with anybody at this point, because you know, Mookie's just one of those players that you really are not going to see again. And and as soon as the Red Sox trade him, everybody was like, that makes zero sense to me. I don't understand why they're doing this. This this just, there's no point in trading Mookie bets. Like, what are you doing? Like anything else could have happened, but you pay somebody like that the amount of money that he wants and that he rightfully deserves because you're not going to get that kind of talent in anybody else. No, you're not. And it's, it's, it, okay, it's, it's tough getting free agents also to that market. Uh, Boston's yeah. a little bit of a different story. You know, you, you people want to play in Boston. It's the Red Sox, but you know, it's you know, Mookie was a draw for people. You know, and people yeah. wanted to come play from with with Mookie. You knew your team was going to contend. Like, who wouldn't want to sign with Dodgers right now? Who wouldn't want want to sign for this with San Diego Padres? Yeah, exactly. Of course, contenders. Yeah, they're great teams. They're, they're it's going to yeah. be fun. I mean, talk about Musgrove going from Pittsburgh. Yeah. San Diego. That guy traded up like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, really. So it's you need, you know, it, it, these guys are do more than just do things for you on the field. They 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 attract talent, they attract fans, they have every you know, everything puts in place. They're worth the they're worth the price of admission. Mookie is worth the price of admission, no matter how much it costs you. And it's it's unfortunate they let him go. And again, like you said, it opens the door for everyone. No one's safe. If you're getting rid of Mookie bets. You're sure as hell going to get rid of, you know, Matt Barnes or or Jackie Bradley Jr. These guys are no, you know, Jackie's a great center fielder, but he's a nobody compared to Mookie Betts. Yeah. Um, and that's it's it's crazy to see just kind of the chips falling, and and you know we're going to be left with maybe with Devers and Xander, and and JD probably going to be gone soon. You know, you're not going to be left with much. It's unfortunate. I know it really is. They they did resign um Perez though actually. Which is which is good, you know. I, like he he's good. That I'm happy about. I was like, yeah, that's one move on the pitching side. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a good pitcher. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be you know for in a you know in a World Series caliber team, he's probably a three or four, uh, but a yeah. good three or four. He's definitely he's he's a guy who's reliable. Um, that's why I wanted you know them to keep Brian Johnson, not just because he's probably my best friend in baseball, but also yeah. because I, that guy is is built to be a number five starter in the in the major league baseball. He throws four pitches for strikes. He's going to go out there. He's going to eat up innings for you. You can work his arm off. You know you don't. And no one's trying to win that fifth game. You know yeah. when you when you get to that fifth guy in the rotation, you're just trying to make sure your bullpen is is ready to go for your starter the next day. You're not trying. You know if you win it, great. But you're not trying to. Um, and we then we send him back. We didn't even give him a chance last year. Last year we're giving people chances last year that I can't believe we gave chances over Brian Johnson. Now Brian Johnson is going to be somewhere else too. So it's I, some of the moves have been very curious to me. Uh, but you're right, Martin Perez. I'm very happy we have him because he it was it was so nice to see him or Evaldi on the mound last year when oh, I wouldn't yeah. even tune into the other games. them or nobody, pretty much. It was horrible. To, it was horrible to watch. So I'm happy it was an Evaldi game, like thankfully. Seriously, it was, it was uh, Valdi beat the Grom last year. Yeah, I know, I know. I actually really am am happy overall with what I've seen from a from Evaldi since he's come to Boston. I mean, he's pitching a lot better for us than he did for the Yankees. 
Yes, no, for sure. And the guy's been, I think he was, didn't he start with the, uh, was he with the Rays at some point too? Yeah, he was with the Rays and then all over the AL East. After that, yeah, he's been all over the AL East and yeah. uh, the guy, the guy pitched well. The guy's done very well for us. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, he's got, I mean, he's got electric stuff. Uh, yeah. So hopefully we can keep him in the rotation and, you know, and hopefully he stays healthy. I know he's been a little bit of an injury prone guy throughout his career as well. Yeah. Uh, but I'm very happy with that scene from him. Very, very happy with that scene from Martin Perez. Um, if Eddie Rodriguez comes back and does what he does, and then Chris Sale's back, your rotation ain't, ain't too shabby. Um, no, really, it's not. On paper, you see those names. It really doesn't look like a bad rotation. No, it definitely doesn't look like a bad rotation. It's a good one. It's just yeah. a matter of being able to close games out once we get to that bullpen, because now analytics tell you that we'd rather have the guys in the bullpen pitch from the fourth inning on, yeah. which makes no sense to me. <laughs> no. Uh, the whole theory there is is just so backwards. When you really think like, – I remember I went to the bullpen – in 2014 or 15 because I was a failed starter. I sucked. So now now when we get to the big leagues, you want me to pitch more than Chris Dale? Yeah. What are you doing? It doesn't make any sense. I don't but, get that logic. I mean, they're starters for a reason. They're supposed to pitch deep into games. Thank you. Thank you. But it's, you got these quote-unquote – you know, the, the word in the dugout in the clubhouse is always these nerds playing, uh, uh, you know, controlling how we play. And it's it's very frustrating to watch at times. I, I threw my hat in the ring this morning. I don't know if you saw this. But I threw my hat in the ring this morning uh, to be the next Mets GM. Try to bring back. I threw my hat in the ring the first time around, and I would have been a better hire than <laughs> they hired, which is kind of crazy to think about that. Ninety, probably a hundred percent of people on Twitter right now after what the recent events would have preferred they hire me as the Mets GM than who they hired. Definitely. Zero, zero general managing experience. Um, <laughs> but still but, though, yeah, people definitely would prefer oh, that. It would have been, it's a no brainer. It's an absolute no brainer. You have somebody like that as your GM. So, I mean. That's tough. That's a, that's a, that's, that's especially this quick into your, in your tenure as an owner. Uh, that's not that's a tough hire. Uh, but Anyway, we dive into that stuff, but yeah, it's it's the analytics of baseball has gotten a little too carried away. I'd like to see us come back closer to the middle. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I I, I definitely agree a lot overall with what you said. I think they're getting there. It's just a matter of going about it the right way. And some of the moves that they're making, I'm definitely questioning. But I have hopes that Bloom has some sort of plan, whether that's looking more to 2022 and he likes next year's free agent class better and doesn't want to take a chance on some of these pitchers or what it is, but whatever it is, I just have to trust that they have some sort of plan for the future. And hopefully that plan is to try to be contenders in 2022. Cause I think they can be, if it's just a matter of, of fixing that pitching a little bit. No, I agree. They definitely have a plan. We just got to hope it's a good one. Exactly. <laughs> right now we're throwing some question marks out there that, you know, me and Gabby don't quite understand. Yeah. And uh, I hope that we start understanding why they're doing these things uh, sooner yeah. rather than later. Uh, but again, we're in a good position. I try to relay this to Red Sox fans as much as I can. That we're in a good position in 2021. We don't need them. We don't need to be making crazy moves. We can let the market get set, see where we're at, see what we do in in April, May, June, and if we start playing a little some good baseball, I still want to make moves to go be a contender because we're not beating the Dodgers next year. No, uh, we're not no. beating the Padres. So, I, but set yourself up now. Okay, now you see come July 4th that okay, our real hole is the seventh inning. Matty Barnes is pitching out of his mind. He's he's he has solidified himself. Okay, he's a solid closer or a solid eighth inning guy. Uh, yeah. Now we need we need a seventh inning and a ninth inning guy or what have you. Uh, but we need we need a we need more time to see things, and we're we're a lot of time. And obviously, 
Bloom is a guy who's going to build our farm system. So you have to imagine that he's, we're looking at a couple years probably um, until we're really competing against the Dodgers. I, I'm hopeful for 2022, but I think we're more likely going to be looking at 2023 to really put make a push for the World Series. And I hope that's the beginning of maybe a three or four year push um, that, you know, puts us into a into a nice little run there um and hopefully we can compete with the dodgers but uh it's it's right now it's looking tough yeah no i definitely agree i mean i'm at least just anxious to get baseball back in the first place and i'm hoping that it ends up working out this year with a full season because it was just way too short last year and, and 60 games is just not enough time so you know, I'm glad that they're saying that they plan on starting spring training on time and that they plan to have a regular length season. But, you know, I'm I'm just I have high hopes for their future. Obviously not this year, but I hope it's just a little more bearable to watch this year than it was last year, because it was hard to sit through nine innings of baseball with this team last year. Yes, I, I will admit that I right around September 2nd, I stopped watching. Uh, it, it was it was very difficult to watch. It was just it was the same story over and over and over again. Again, I have a soft spot for these guys because I did some of that stuff. I remember pitching for the Twins, worst team in baseball in 2016, and we did yeah. the same thing over and over again too. So I understand the it, uh, yeah. No, it's tough to go out there and do those things, and I get that. Uh, but I think we we should have a better product this year on the on the field, a little bit more bearable, a little bit more maybe play a little spoiler this year. Uh, nothing, you know, we're not going to win a World Series this year, but it'd be nice to take down the Yankees a little bit and yeah, not take down a few pegs, um, even though they seem to do it to themselves anyway. We don't really need to. They do it to themselves with all the injuries and, and their, their lack of pitching. Oh, my goodness. They can't stay healthy to save their lives. No, they can't. Um, I mean, Aaron Judge in 2017 or 2018 was looking to be the face of baseball. And now, you know, is a very nice guy from – I've only met him once too, but it seems like a very nice guy. I'm not talking shit about him, but or am I? I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on here, but I'm not talking crap about him. But uh, Aaron Judge, you know, he can't stay healthy. Guy can't stay healthy, and he's, yeah. he's a great player. But neither can Severino. Severino was a great player. Yeah. You know, the Yankees are just are just shooting themselves in the foot, you know, time and time again. And now they're going to go out and overpay for Kluber, and they're going to get killed by the Dodgers if they even get to that point. Exactly. They- yeah. So it'd be nice to challenge the Yankees a little this year and, and make them sweat a little and be like, oh yeah, the Red Sox are not. A, a real choke this year, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm not worried about the Yankees long term. I'm worried about this Blue Jays team. This yeah, Blue they're Jays team young guys, and they and Blue Jays also sneakily will pay for people. They they married oh, yeah. Edwin Encarnacion, Jose Bautista. You know, you know, was it Josh Donaldson? They'll pay. They are not going to be the Rays. So they are setting themselves up to be some pretty good, a pretty good team for a long time. And so this Yankee team is, yeah, I don't care about them. We're we're going to try to compete in 2023 and and further. We're gonna to have to be go against a pretty good Blue Jays team. Oh, I know, I know. That's what I'm concerned about too. They they definitely are gonna be, you know, probably the best team in the AL East for, you know, in the near future. So yeah. that'll be kind of scary. But <laughs> we we do have a random question just before we go here. Um, yeah. What the names of your restaurants are? Oh, uh, the sports bar is called Green Rock, um, which uh, does sneakily have good food. I'm not just saying that because I own it. Uh, it's it's just known uh, as like a bar that you go and drink at, uh, like okay. it's like a watering hole. Like you go, it's like a party place. Yeah, uh, from like you know 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. It's fantastic. Not right now because we can't stay open that much. Yeah. But normal times. That's that's what that place is known for. But they do have good food. And then the other one, Saku, uh, which is a sushi restaurant, um, and that's that's good food. We we pay our chef quite well there to to make. We brought in a good guy. 
So um, that that place does uh, more of a restaurant place. I always tell people like friends that are come in. Well, I'll, I take them to Saku and then we go drink at Green Rock. Um, so oh, that's cool. yeah, so yeah. You, you more than well, I hope you guys come. If you're in town, if you live in Hoboken, you're more than welcome to uh, come join me. And then if you come to Green Rock, uh, I'll buy you a drink. I'll have to let you know the next time I'm in that area. And we'll have to we'll have to go. Yeah, do you come to Hoboken at all? I've been there. Yeah, I, I do have friends that live in that area, so I I visited them over there before. So yeah, definitely come on, come on, come on down. It's a great time, and hopefully we open up soon. Hopefully we're getting through this the light at the end of the tunnel. So hopefully a little bit, uh, at least we're seeing it. It seems like now with the vaccines rolling out and things like that. So hopefully we're we're in this in the summertime. We got some baseball. We got some open bars, and we can have a little fun. I hope so. Yeah. No, I really hope that too. I think that's what everyone's hoping for, and I hope that I can actually go to baseball games this year. Um, and you know, yeah, but I'll definitely let you know when I'm there and not uh, yeah, those places out, yeah, but you know, again, I do appreciate you coming on the show. This was an awesome conversation as I knew it would be. I hope you enjoyed watching that intro video, um, <laughs> of some really big flashbacks. Um, yeah. you know, I'd like to thank notoriety sports network again. Um, you know, they've, they've been a big help to me and I like to thank them for, you know, sponsoring the Boston Balling podcast and for helping me out with with my graphics and everything. So definitely appreciative of them and um, check out the rest of their stuff on, on their pages. But also don't forget, you can subscribe to Boston Balling on any podcast streaming platform. And you can also find the Boston Balling social media accounts, um, either through my personal accounts or just on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook is Balling, Boston Balling. So you can definitely find that. And I also do have merchandise, as you can see here from my Boston Balling shirt. Shout out to my family and their Christmas gifts. Um, and then, yeah, so I have a, you know, there's a website, bonfire.com. If you search Boston Balling, you can purchase your own shirt. They come in all different sizes and types. So definitely a lot of Boston Balling. Um, thank you, everybody, again, for watching this week. I always appreciate my uh, my regular viewers and my regular audience, um, you all know who you are. So I'll see you all next time. And thanks again for everybody for checking it, checking it out. I hope you have a good night.